Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, and welcome to Game Master Studios, where we'll be talking tabletop role-playing games, tips and tricks that you can use to help bring your game at home up to the next level. Today, we'll be finishing up our discussion on adding depth to your encounters with the concept of weaving storylines into the encounters as brought up by Ed when we first broached the topic. Before we get into that, let's go around the studio. Uh, My name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden, host and moderator for the show. With me is Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath and semi-professional DM, and Ed. I got a fever, and the only prescription is story-based encounters. So today we are talking about weaving stories into your encounters. Uh, when we were discussing the adding depth to the encounters, this was what Ed immediately jumped on. He's like, we've got to talk about, about, about bringing storylines in. You know, encounters as they are is kind of flat, so storylines can add a lot of depth to that. And so, Ed, why don't you take it off and start walking us through that for our listeners? Sure. Uh, well, if, I mean, that would be a little inappropriate in the studio here, but uh, okay. Uh, so the basic idea is that, you know, your typical encounter, you know, if you're, if you're sort of just think of it as a typical encounter or just a random encounter or just something I'm throwing at the group, it's going to be really straightforward. You're just, okay, you guys spot a... A group of goblins sneaking up on you. They're going to try to get you. Roll initiative, you know. Um, I think probably most GMs are far more descriptive than that for encounters that they plan out, that they think up, that sort of thing. But that doesn't mean that uh, you can't, for for every encounter, or at least for most, try to incorporate some sort of story in there. And the basic idea being, okay, well, maybe every encounter is sort of tied to the overall plot. Or, at the very least, maybe there's more of these layers like we've been talking about in in this uh sequence it's come up a couple times layers in just whatever you're fighting you know uh so for instance the the first thing that we had talked about is multiple options for encounters you know yeah have these multiple and one of those options is role playing so what's the role playing option for this specific encounter and then why is it an option you know um For instance, maybe there's a monster that's just passing the party by. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't even want to fight them. Maybe it already has food, you know, but now you have a chance. (laughs) Thanks. But now you have a chance to let your party decide how they want to deal with it. And one of the options could be role playing and you just want to think out, okay, why would it talk to them? Why would it role play with them? What is its motivation? You know, it's, it's a creature that lives in your world. What does it want? You know, who does it think is, you know, good guys and bad guys who are its friends, you know, that sort of thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. We got to get through to the chopper. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, first, that- my, first my terrible walk and then my terrible Schwarzenegger. And that also helps bring in a little bit of uh, what we had talked about earlier when we were talking about monsters as intelligent creatures, as intelligent people, understanding their motivations and how that plays in, I think, can definitely help you build that storyline around the encounter. If you know what's going on, random encounters, 
pick a random personality, pick the random motivations. Sure. But anything that's that's connected in with a storyline, I think as a DM, it's almost your responsibility to understand what they want, what they're going to do to get it, what they have for resources to achieve those ends. Yeah. And it, I, mean, I suppose it can be as simple as you defeat the random encounter and you find out that one of them has the mark of the, of the cultists on them or something like that. You know, I mean, that's a, a surefire, simple way to just sort of tie things together. You, I, I'm, I'm sort of thinking like things sort of beyond that. You kill an owl bear on the street and as you're searching its body, you find its wallet with a picture of its family. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny that you, I mean, you went a little further left field than I expected there, but you know, like you could, you literally could be like, okay, you, you search the owl bear and as you're standing over, it's freshly, you know, created corpse. <laughs> All of a sudden it's owner from the zoo comes running up. You killed Alfred. <laughs> right. You know, like he got loose and he's never hurt anyone ever before. And like, are you sure? Cause he attacked me. Well, you must've attacked him first. Like, well, it wasn't owl bear. So I probably did attack first and right. whoopsie. <laughs> But you can never know where, you know, you can bring a story in, whether it's before the combat, during the combat, after the combat, but making their B story that revolves around the combat can always be very interesting, you know, mm-hmm. and and keep players on their toes. I mean, if you have a group that like, you know, we've said before, if they want to just hack and slash, just let them hack and slash, you know, that's fine. But even if they're a bunch of hack and slashers, there's no reason there can't be story revolving around the hack and slashing you know if you're literally just chomping away and just rolling numbers all day long and it's just like a a number fest that that to me is extremely boring and dry right so you know even if if it's a group that wants to hack and slash i'm gonna throw some story in there just for my sake of sanity you know so i'm gonna you know I'll, i'll throw okay yeah you guys go into the temple and yeah, you see some cultists and you notice that, you know, one of them is limping and, you know, you know like all of a sudden there's like this story around like, well, why is he limping? Oh, well, it turns out that, you know, he just got in a fight with one of the other cultists. They don't see eye to eye. He, right. he actually wants to leave the cult and blah, 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 blah. So you kill this guy that wants to leave the cult. You know, he's actually trying to get out of the cult. You like you overhear this argument of like, I want to, I want out, man. This isn't what I thought. This isn't what you know. I signed up for. I don't want to bring Loth back to the to the, the the material plane. This this is crazy talk. I was told this was the cult of the unblinking eye, not the cult of the yeah. all seeing eye. I was promised Kool Aid, not you know. Right. <laughs> You know, I was promised Kool-Aid, not not a bunch of praying and worshiping to bring some evil god back to this world to destroy everything. Look, I was all about the sex and suicide. But you throw demons in there, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's too much for me. That's just crazy. So, you know, that, that adds some story in there. You know, and if they're a bunch of hack and slashers, they might just go in there and kill, you know, that, you know, poor Larry trying to leave the cult along with everyone else. But at least for me, there's some story there. You know, I, and, I, and now I know that they're just a bunch of, you know, wandering, murdering hobos, <laughs> not, a, not a, an adventuring party of heroes, so to speak. Yeah, that actually reminds me uh, a game I ran years ago. I specifically threw this in there because I wanted to, to do this for, for my party. There was this uh, tiefling rogue, I think he was, that they had been sort of semi-tracking. They like encountered him once and heard about him from another source later. And they were going into this cave that was filled mostly with goblins uh, or maybe even hobgoblins or whatnot. But at one point there was an ogre and like the encounter that I'd set up in this room was the ogre, the tiefling uh, uh, rogue and like a handful of goblins. And as they're approaching it, I have the tiefling start talking and he's talking to all of them like 
completely disgusted by them. Okay. So yeah, the tiefling's a villain. He's a bad guy, but he's not necessarily evil. He's more a criminal than he is. You know, he's a thief. He's not a killer per se, but here's these goblins and this ogre and they're ripping apart, you know, people and eating them in front of him. And he has no option but to watch them or else they'll do the same thing to him. You know, so as they're approaching, he's he. They're literally hearing this guy who they've already talked to and they already know, but they know is a, a criminal, just absolutely disgusted by it. So it was an option for them to maybe try to, you know, okay, well, let's go into the maybe go into the fight, but maybe have someone convince him, you know, fight with us. We'll at least get you out of this, you know. Uh, and I think they actually did end up sparing his life. I mean, they put him in jail, but you know. I just have the wonderful image of the tiefling being absolutely disgusted. Yeah. Because human flesh is a red meat and they're trying to pair it with a white wine. <laughs> that would have been great too. Yeah. It's the things savages, like that. I can't live like this. And sometimes all you're doing is you're adding a little bit of, you know, dialogue at the beginning of each encounter. And at the very least, just to make things a little bit more entertaining and give the encounter more depth. Maybe your players are just going to charge in and kill stuff. You know, maybe that's what they're going to do, no matter what you try. But that doesn't mean you can't throw that in there. And if they want to, they can then try to use that, you know, as some sort of storyline, you know? Yeah, it opens up options for them to role play through the encounter as well. Like, just because I'm going to swing my sword doesn't mean I'm maybe not trying to talk to these things at the same time. Right. You know, you open up that dialogue. And we've talked about having, you know, descriptive combats too, where that, in my opinion, if you have kind of a story revolving you know and some role-playing revolving around this encounter then it kind of opens up more the players are more likely to be a little bit more descriptive with their combat as well so kind of for me it's like uh um a two-pronged kind of uh uh advantage there i want to see, I like descriptive combats anyways see, see the rogue stab a goblin grab the wine take a swig and look at the bottle and like ah oh, savages <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, like in that situation, though, with a tiefling being a criminal, you know, the, the party could come in and be like, while they're hacking and slashing away at the, the, the goblins, you know, they're verbally speaking to the tiefling like, hey, man, you're like you with us or against us right now. Like, are you, you you're choosing a side right now? Like, right. you know, and then maybe- you can die with them or we can get you out of here. Like you said, you know, like so you're adding a little bit of role playing in there. You know, and then they they could, again, maybe it opens up for the whole, okay, well, I'm going to lunge at the or, you know, the goblin over here and chop at him. But then, you know, like all the while, like, you know, I'm like, I'm so awesome. I'm just fencing with this goblin, but my head's turned away from the goblin and looking over at the tiefling like, so how you doing? (laughs) Or maybe the tiefling actually comes and starts sort of fencing with you, but all of his strikes are really deliberate and kind of slow. Yeah. So he's obviously just makes it. Like he's just doing like a back and forth. Like he's just like talking to you while sort yeah. of swinging his sword, so you can easily defend I've, it. Or it's like I that it, I saw that in, moment where he's like, "Ah, oh, I know something you did not. I am not left-handed." Right. <laughs> uh, they had a moment in Order of the Stick where one of the players, or one of the character player characters, wound up fighting uh, some criminals that he was previously on good terms with. So he's like, "Hey, do you mind if while we talk, we wave our weapons around and pretend like we're fighting?" Right, right. <laughs> just so that those other people don't ask too many questions. So there are certainly ways you can do it. You can add storyline either from the beginning where you're sort of planning things ahead of time. You can sort of improv it right in the middle and you can also do it at the end uh, and maybe have something the characters do come back around. So maybe they did go and they fought, you know, some sort of uh, 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 ogre or something along those lines and they killed it and whatnot and they don't think anything of it. 
And, you know, four or five game sessions later, you know, an ogre with a band of orcs is, you know, finds them and attacks them. And, you know, the whole idea behind it is, you know, he found out that this group killed his brother. So he's coming after him. Yeah. So he's almost kind of justified for coming after him. Yeah. 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 Bringing it back around, like we mentioned in a previous episode, uh, that's that's a good one. That's a, that's a big one. I, I That's a little tech, trick that I kind of like. You know, I like the concept of there is no such thing as a random encounter. Even if there really, you know, even if there is, there kind of isn't. Because, like, the, you know, it's the cause and effect concept. Yeah, like, that. That ogre had a brother, right? Exactly. You know, you know who's like, willing to fight the people who killed him because you killed my brother. What the hell? Yeah, I, I, I actually missed. I misheard part of what you said, and I thought you were going for kind of a oh yeah, a lion, lion and the mouse, like Aesop's fable, like the mouse pulls out the lion's thorn, and then later when the mouse is in trouble, the lion comes back to rescue him. Yeah, or, or, and I thought yeah. you, you were going to do something like that, where like they, but they, that's great too. They let the ogre go, and the ogre, you know, understands the quality of mercy now, and maybe I should change my life. And then when they're in trouble, the ogre shows up to help them. Yeah, you could approach a monster, and you could have the group approach a monster that's clearly in pain and see what they do. You know, and maybe if they're you know have no mercy and they just kill him, you know, then the the bigger older brother with an army comes after him or maybe if they actually show some mercy then yeah you could do like Aesop's fable and have him come around and help him at some point you know yeah I mean even with beasts I mean that I mean obviously like that was specifically you know the original tale is a, a lion and a mouse but you can that still works with beasts like if you think of it like the concept of like you know which we've t- discussed in like the whole combat of like you know or the whole concept of approaching with like tactics where like you have your beasts that are basically just predators. Like mm-hmm. they're going to attack you if they see an opportunity or if they consider themselves higher on the food chain for whatever the situation is. Right. But even they, they get themselves into situations where again, like, you know, the lion with the thorn, you know, you can pull that, pull that thorn or, or save the displacer beast maybe. And it, it just kind of like gives you a look and walks away. And then three sessions later, all of a sudden this displacer beast comes out of nowhere and, you know, grabs you before you fall off a cliff or something weird like that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you can play that up. Whereas if you kill the displacer beast, now you have like this pack of displacer beasts that are hunting you down. Cause you killed its kin. Right. The displacer beast just in the middle of combat, pop out of the bushes, grab one of the enemy combatants from behind the rest of his group doesn't notice like pull him back into the bushes like kind of a you know like the horror movie like out of nowhere yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. just and just, just leave it at that yep and then it happens again like a couple sessions later and like he realizes like the displacer beast like following him along and helping him but doesn't really want to approach <laughs> or you could even do it uh with a, a true beast you could have it be sort of uh maybe you have Maybe you have a player who uh, is playing a paladin or or something and they want to do like, okay, so you get the spell for your special mount. You can just summon something. But it used to be that you would have your paladin would have an action. It would be an actual animal that exists. And then you, you have to quest for it. Some people say, well, I'm, I'm this level. So I get it automatically. Right. Well, technically by the book you do, but I'm going to make you quest for it. You know, so that's a story based encounter everything there is involved around the story and you add some layers to it maybe they find and chase down this horse but it gets away you know and then you know later they see some you know uh you know i don't know bugbear animal wranglers or something you know uh so so he's got a right bugbear cowboys but the hats are black. Well, I mean, it's yeah, doing yeah, yeah. that with a paladin who has, again, the fine steed or summon steed or whatever it is. Uh, I think it's yeah. fine. Um, but like 
Rangers in 5th edition don't have an animal companion anymore. Druids don't have an animal companion anymore. But there's no reason you can't roleplay them into an animal right, companion. Right, there's no reason they can't have one. You know, I'm a ranger. I mean, unless you're playing Beastmaster Ranger, that's specific. You know, they obviously, they get a pet. But, you know, if you're playing like a hunter ranger or you're playing one of the variants from like on Ar- Earth Arcana or some homebrew thing, you might still want to have a pet. You know what I mean? In the DM, It could be as easy as the DM says, yes, you have a dog. But you could be like, you know what? I want to go out... And like we're like six level, I want to go out and I want to have a displacer beast for a pet. Like, can I go find one? Yeah. You know, like okay. I mean, obviously that's going to be a big quest on its own, but that creates storyline. You know, and then it's going to create the you know in a, a very story based encounter. That that's that's a player driven story based encounter, obviously. Right. Um, but there's just there's a lot of situations where trying to come back around to the, the initial just generic (laughs) story encounters. Well, I mean, a lot of your story based encounters probably are going to be player based. Yeah. Most of them will be player driven. Yeah. They, they, your, your character wants to do a thing. So make an encounter based around the thing they want to do. And obviously if the players aren't into it, then as a GM, you shouldn't be wasting your time bringing it in. Right. Our last episode was encounter after encounter, which is probably going to, uh, uh, be tailored more towards the um, adventuring style parties, the people who want to, uh, who want to, you know, have more hack and slash maybe because there's going to be more waves and there's going to be more things to do. Obviously the more story based encounters are going to be people who, you know, they like the, the combat, but they also like the storytelling as well. And they want to have some sort of role playing involved. Yeah. Yeah. The player type is going to be, you know, your role players and your storytellers. Well, I also, I also think, and I, I'll admit that I've been, you know, cracking a few jokes here on this topic today. But I think that using a humorous story can help endear it to the people who are a little more hack and slash. The people who aren't like, I want deep emotional connections, and right. are, I want entertainment and power fantasies. Not, not saying that any of that is wrong. Um, you, you know, you, you game for what you get out of it, and if that's what you get out of it, awesome. Um. But just having like the jokes and the levities, you know, these these aren't people who are deeply emotionally invested, and this could just make it more entertaining. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I agree with that. I think that uh, that using humor as your story can can help bring some of these people in and connect them in and help keep them fresh, so you can keep that game going a little bit longer. Uh, just on, on a session by session basis, you know, stretch it out a little longer before they get burned out with from numbers. Yeah, you know, adding in the comedy relief NPC during a combat, you know, again, like, you know, say the the party's slaughtering some goblins and all of a sudden one of the goblins, like the, maybe the run to the group, you know, he throws his weapon off to the side, puts both his hands up. Don't kill me. Oh, God, please. I'll do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then uh, if they spare him, you have this comedy relief, this pathetic little like pseudo prisoner esque goblin following them around. Like, just please get me. Oh, maybe he's straight. You know, now that all you killed all his brother and maybe he's stuck in this dungeon too. Like he couldn't get out by himself. There's still monsters everywhere. So he's following the party around. And I'm just thinking about this in terms of, uh, because a lot of that is going to be jokes of opportunity, as it were. Yeah. You know, as good stuff comes up. I had the image of the goblin rolls a one on his attack roll with a bow. So he accidentally hits yeah, one of his allies. Of <laughs> I'm thinking he hits one of his allies. Like, oh, sorry. And the next round, he hits one again. Oh, uh, the next round happens again. Hey, are you guys hiring? <laughs> is it too late to switch sides? Uh, yeah, but, you know, you can and you can you can do this for your random encounters or encounters that you plan. 
Um, the like you, why not have a random encounter? Maybe you randomly roll like a Cyclops. Okay. Normally Cyclops. Okay. I'm going to have it charge at the group and all this sort of, <laughs> but why not just have like the players come across the Cyclops and it looks at them and just politely says, can I help you? Yeah. Like that's just going to throw your players for a loop. Like, do they still just attack it? Like they wanted to, or are they like, Oh, well let's, Let's talk to the Cyclops. And Welcome one of the ways to the marshlands. How may I guide you safely across it? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and one of the things too is a lot of the monstrous races don't speak common, which is strange. So I say break that rule. If you want to add more storyline to your, well, I would I would think common should be a common language. I would think so yeah, too. Yeah, well, fifth edition broke it up a lot, but I mean, you're the DM. I mean, they speak whatever you want exactly. them to speak. So. It, it, right, that was the point I was about yeah. to make. Goblins speak, I think goblins speak goblin in common, but like orcs yeah. only speak orc and I think, most giants only speak giant. I think one of the earlier D&D editions, or it might have been just a different setting, had common as like, it's a trade language Yeah, and then humans had their own language. That's cool. Yeah, I get that. Um, and so you could speak human and speak human fluently, or you could speak common and communicate with just about every intelligent creature, but on a lower level. Like I yeah, give you this, base, you give me yeah, that. Base right. communication. And, and so I, but I like that. That way, when they're coming across the group of goblins, oh, no one in the group has goblins. So you guys don't know what they're saying. So you're just going to go kill them. Or the goblins are all just speaking common, you know, whether they can by the book or not. Yeah, no, I also like, you know, in the book, um, uh, the player's handbook has some reference to it in previous editions. And there's other resources out there, too. But like the whole concept of I think it's giant uses dwarven text and is oh, the alphabets. Yeah, the alphabets. So like in my opinion, like if they use a similar alphabet, they, you know, they're probably of a similar ish origin or have, you know, some like words. So I like the concept of like I speak dwarven. I run into some giants. I don't know what they're saying, but like I can pick out. An, an occasional word or I pick out something like I think right. there, you know, I think I heard something about kill and smash in there and they're pointing at us. So maybe this isn't such a good idea to try to continue this right. conversation. No, they say we're going to kill and smash them. Well, in the I've used it and I've explained it in terms of like, if you speak Spanish and are trying to read Italian, you're going to pick out some stuff. You're going to pick out some stuff, but you're going to be able to tell it is not the language you're used to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you'll be able to pull out some stuff uh, more so than someone else would. You know what I mean? So that's one of those opportunities too, where like maybe they don't understand everything that's going on fluently, but they can pick out a few words here and there, or they can at least pick up the, the tone of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So that way you can still kind of have those. Well, you know, we have, <laughs> Yeah. The, the hand gesture of the thumb across the throat. Like, yeah, I'm they all pretty, know sign I language. I think that means friendship. Well, they're all smiling <laughs> and laughing while they do it. So. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that in my opinion, that that's that's one way I like to do it if you don't want everyone just to speak common or you really want to make sure there's language separation, but still have the party be able to pick up on the nuances or the, the intent of yeah, what's being said. Because you can always change the basic rules. You know, just because it says this is how these things normally are doesn't mean they have to be. You know, maybe you come across a group of orcs who are also, say, polite to you, but then they ask you if you would like to donate to the War Orphans Fund. And, you know, as you're, you're what? Orcs want donations to the War Orphans Fund? So maybe, and again, this could be like a back-end storyline. Maybe you think, oh, hell out with that. These guys are orcs. They're trying to trick everyone, and you guys fight them or whatever you do. 
And then you go to the next town and there's a, a church that's in distress because they're, their uh, uh, volunteers collecting for the War Orphans Fund haven't come back yet. Yeah. Well, again, you know, it's... I Excuse mean, me. You have a moment to speak about Grummish, Lord and Savior? <laughs> <laughs> you know, not only is it, you know, the rules that, you know, like, you're the DM, so whatever you say goes, but if you you have this storyline to back up what you're coming up with. So, again, like, go back to your Cyclops concept. Say, like, yeah. all of a sudden they run into the Cyclops. It's at the edge of this, you know, this marshland, and he walks up and he speaks fluent elven he's like you know he comes up say elves in your world kind of have like a you know like a french accent he's like hello how are you doing today i would like to guide you through the marsh for the low low price of one silver <laughs> and you're like yeah i said french and i kind of went for like anyways no, this, is, this is this is the day of interesting accents yeah. and voices uh, but so and then you you know like you and has he, you so you pay him the one silver and he's guiding you through this marsh and it comes to find out that like as know. as a child he was abandoned and he was found by this elven ranger who raised him up and taught him their you know elven language and and he's this good spirited cyclops that and you, know, so like, you don't know their backstory and so you choose the fishy uh, the fishiest thing about that story though is he only wants one silver to guide you through the swamp <laughs> wait he only wants one silver what's his angle <laughs> so mr cyclops so you all of this you went through and you decided to become a chauffeur this is clear so what is your name it is jeeves jeeves I guess you didn't really have a lot of career options open to you. <laughs> it was this or you could either a butler. Be a, you could either be a, be a butler or we could ask you things. Yeah. yeah, you know, maybe he doesn't even charge you silver. It's like, yeah, for, like all I ask is you tell me a joke. <laughs> you know, like I collect jokes. <laughs> Just like something weird. Like, you know, like, oh, yeah, I was, you know, you find out he was raised by this, this elven ranger that found him as an orphan cyclops. And, you know, the, the it was a very... Uh, good spirited elf that you know spent his long years like just trying to you know, like learn and understand the humor of humans and yeah. collected all these jokes and he's continuing his work. You know, maybe the elf is now like 600 years old and stays in this cabin in the middle of the marsh. And the cyclops goes out and offers to you know bring people through the or part you know adventuring parties through the marshland. And you know, you pay him a joke and he comes back and tells his elven ranger pseudo father, adopted father. And then the party's gonna be like, I, uh, uh, I've never seen that before. <laughs> Son, the jokes are hilarious, but when are you going to come home with food? <laughs> I'm starving. I can't eat the jokes. And so those are all examples of giving your random encounters, you know, maybe more fluff so that you can either kind of throw your party off or you give them the chance to role play or, or whatnot. Uh, you'll also, uh, one thing to do is when you're making encounters for the plot line of your game is to sort of make everything maybe make sense for the boss or for the character, you know, like c come up with the thing that you want them to fight and then storyline reasons why they want not, not just, you know, maybe, maybe you do want to play a mercenary game, but maybe not everyone just wants, okay, well, we're hired to go kill the, you know, uh, uh, serial killer who's been, you know, taking people out in the, in the docks, you know, well, okay. Make, make each of the encounters leading up to that part of the actual story, you know, like make them track him down, make them, you know, have to role play with him or something, you know, make, throw story. Find the body in and do investigation. Yeah. Find the body and do investigation, you know, 
Yeah, set up the encounter, set up the fight. Like, you know, back to, again, to my long-winded Cyclops thing. Maybe you do want him to fight the Cyclops. So maybe you tell him a joke and he's like, I already know that joke. And all of a sudden he lets in on the party. You know what I mean? Like, I want to know a new one. So all of a sudden, boom, you have this and you're like, I thought we weren't fighting him. Now we are fighting him. I'm so confused. So like you can either kill him or eventually tell him a joke he's never heard before during the combat. Now we're fighting him on a boat halfway through the marsh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's an encounter for you. Fighting a Cyclops on the boat halfway through the marsh, trying to think of a joke he's never heard before. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 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 Why'd the chicken cross the road? No! (laughs) Everyone heard that one. How about, how about um, your face? <laughs> yeah, that is pretty funny. But then the boat the boat starts rocking. Everyone make a an athletics check to keep your balance. <laughs> That'd be funny. All right, so I think we're kind of. I think we gave you all a cool encounter. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to. I specifically want to hear if anybody if anybody wants to steal that Cyclops encounter. Definitely let us know how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like we we gave you all the backstory. We gave you all the setup. Jared even tried to do an accent for you. <laughs> Poorly. You can you can do it. You can put it into your game. You can fit it in somewhere. Let us know. And if possible, take a, pic- a picture of the looks on your players' faces. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that was good. all just made up during this episode <laughs> yeah. on the fly. So, but it's good. There's potential yeah. there. So we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, we have our set up our Patreon online, patreon.com slash Game Master Studio. If you'd like to support us and show our your support in terms of monetary value, you can definitely subscribe and you do get extras, but want to sneak peeks and previews of stuff we have coming up as well as uh, comment and commentary from us. You can give us feedback on Twitter, GMS Studios, or on Facebook. You can like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, let us know what you think about the show. Let us know what you'd like to see for shows coming up. Any questions or stories you might have, we'd appreciate sharing them. We'll be back here uh, next week, every week, with new inf- new information, new topics, and new stuff that we hope you'll get some use out of. We will be back around and see you next time we're in the studio.